Man, this this question this question gave me pause because it's it's really hard for me to think of. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But man, yeah, this was a really tough one. It's it's hard to think of a series that hasn't generally grown for the better. Uh, at least to me, I think there's a lot of a lot of change uh, that that happens with franchises to keep them interesting and modern. And sometimes not every part of it works out, but I think in general uh games kind of grow with the medium and so it's hard to find something that really got worse as the times changed well welcome to the co-hops podcast this is episode eight uh, as always i'm garrett and i'm joined by nick Hello. And Zach. Hi there. All right, Nick. So uh, you had the task this week of picking the beer. What did you land on? Well, it was a bit of a trek to get here. I wanted to feature a seasonal beer from Kolschen, which we uh, covered another limited beer of theirs recently. But uh, before any of us could get to it, it sold out and we couldn't find it anywhere. And uh, I'll I'll save that for another time, but it is a, a fruity sort of thing. Uh, and so as a backup, I went with a Blood Orange Pale, uh, which is from Elysian Brewing it, down in Seattle. It's called Super Fuzz. And uh, I have to read you this thing on the side of the can. Um, this is a very groovy uh, can, a guy with a paisley afro. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, but the... The side of the can says, Grok this. What if the world were an orange, a blood orange, with hop cones orbiting around it, and it's all like an atom? Yep. <laughs> Ale brewed so, with blood orange. <laughs> the the person who designed the can probably also wrote that after they finished smoking whatever they smoked to create the art <laughs> on the can. I would not be surprised. <laughs> uh, this is really tasty. I've never had this before. Yeah, I'm probably going to go through like all three of these cans I have sitting here. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually a one can an episode person just because I drink slowly, but this is really good. And hey, you finally got me to bring a pail to uh, mm-hmm. to the show. There we go. I was really hesitant. The other one you were going to pick was a sour, and my experience with sours is very limited and not good. So I was <laughs> uh, very I was going to be very intrigued by that, but uh, this is quite tasty. Um, with Elysian, I've I've had very mixed results. Some of the things that I've tried from them are really good, um, such as Space Dust. And then there's other things that I haven't liked at all, such as their uh, Seahawks beer, I think it's called The Noise, was super mediocre, and, and I didn't like it very much at all. So, uh, What a shame. Um, this this one, I, I put this on the uh, the positive side of the spectrum. Yeah. I can already feel the burps coming. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I've had it's... like three sips, and I'm like, okay, here it goes. Yeah, it's a it's it's pretty hoppy, but it's not too bad. I think the addition of the orange flavor uh, kind of balances it out and makes it not so bitter. It's still pretty bitter. It's forty five IBU, um, and six point four ABV, which is uh, on the on the high side for what we've been going for, but. Uh, usually I drink heavy stuff that's like in the six to eight range. So I'm, I'm kind of used to it. Um, yeah, I like this a lot. I have not had this in a very long time, probably like five or six years. And I 
barely remember it. It was from a time where I was not choosy about beer. Uh, and so it is good to know that my tastes from back then weren't totally terrible. Well, this is an excellent one for me because I love orange flavor, um, just about everything. And uh, usually with pails for me, they they leave kind of it's kind of like dry like yeah it leaves this like really dry tacky taste on my tongue that i do not like but this is so smooth and flavorful all the way through um this is dangerous and uh (laughs) it is i'm gonna be a little i'm gonna be a little bit buzzed uh, by the end of the episode because i'm gonna cruise through these cans i'm already halfway done with my glass (laughs) (laughs) just sitting here listening to you guys talk so um yeah i think your friend who told you to drink more beer (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yeah there you go ian this episode's for you buddy Uh uh-huh um i i also agree i really love orange flavor in anything but uh when i first started drinking beer one of the uh one of the transitions from to get me into kind of the IPA style beer is one called Tangerine Express, which maybe we should try it sometime. And that one also has a really heavy orange flavor, but it, um, taste-wise is, I think, quite different. But uh, the the smell of this is also we, – we haven't really talked about the smell of any of the beers we've tried so far, but I keep smelling my glass mm-hmm. just because it smells really good. Yeah, very richly orange. I tend there, to there's like a term for it that I don't know because I am not a beer douche, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they, I think it's called this one's I think for you, called Chip. the nose, right? Like it, it's got a uh, great nose. Mm-hmm. How's the mouth feel? <laughs> it feels like liquid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> liquid with a little bit of alcohol burn. Yep. And orange. I don't. Lots I don't really and... think this is that bitter though. Like you, you were at least. To my palate, it's not coming across as, as that bitter. I, I think you were mentioning, Nick, you you think the bitter gets hidden by the orange, but um, it's pretty smooth for me. Like I, I yeah. I'm having no problems. It's just like Garrett said, it's just I'm kind of <laughs> chugging through this really quick. It's not terrible, but I think that's uh, more me being new to the more bitter beers like IPAs. I yeah, uh, my sensitivity for bitter is pretty low. Reminds me of um, I went out to a Mexican restaurant with one of my good friends and uh, I had the black beans uh, as a side and I uh, commented on how, oh, these are these are good. They're kind of spicy. I don't expect that from black beans. And he said, you think those are spicy? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, good, good times. (laughs) I was not trusted with uh, spice ratings in the future from him. a friend of mine, when we used to go to a Mexican restaurant, uh, we would go pretty frequently, and he would always, they would drop off the table salsa, and he would always say, um, can you take this one back, and can I get the gringo salsa? <laughs> 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 and the people would always just die laughing, and, and oh, sure enough, man. they would just bring tomato water. So. Tomato water? <laughs> Whatever you drain out of the can, that, that's the thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I tend to like fruity beers in general. Um, like Schafferhofer has a grapefruit Hefeweizen that is really good, especially in the summer. Um, so uh, expect to see more fruit-related things. And I've even thought about bringing a cider uh, to uh, to one of these, if that is okay with the council. It's got to be hopped to fit the theme, man. No, I'm, oh, I, sure. I don't care. <laughs> bring, no, no, no. Bring, bring whatever you'd like. I, I don't mind at all. I like expanding my horizons, and so far, I think I've only had two of the beers before, which were the um, the ones that I picked, so hey. this is pretty awesome. Fantastic. Well, um, 
How about news and collection stuff, Nick? What have you been What have you been working on this last week? Since uh, we recently switched to weekly, it's 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 coming up much faster. It is, it is, and uh, as such, uh, my stuff is a little bit samey. But I'll start with the thing that is not samey. Um, I have been playing a little bit of a recent PS5 exclusive called Returnal, uh, developed by Housemark, who you may know from games like Super Stardust HD and Resogun. Um, I've never heard of either of these games. I've heard of <laughs> Resogun, but I've never I have not heard of the other. Resogun was notable to me as an early adopter of the PS4 as one of the only really interesting launch or at least launch window games. Uh, it's, oh gosh, of course I should have looked this up ahead of time, but their, uh, Resogun is basically a remake of an old arcade game where you are uh, playing as a little ship and you are side-scrolling through a looping uh, environment and uh, shooting stuff and collecting, like, rescuing people on the ground. Um, perhaps one of you can help me identify this arcade game. Um, yeah, let me take a look here while, you, while you're uh, brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, you collect, uh, collect people on the ground and rescue them, and once you've collected enough people, you can warp away to a new level. Um, but it's, it's cool. They, Housemark seems to specialize in really stylish arcade style games that are tend to be in the $20 downloadable sort of realm. And so I was really curious to see what they were going to do with a uh, $70 Defender is the game you're thinking of Defender. There we go. Mm, okay. It was on the tip of my tongue, but yeah, Resogun's really cool. Um, I, I played a lot of it partly just because there was very little else to play on the PS4 in the early days but uh S I, similarly to returnal in the ps5 <laughs> that's true it's been a lot longer but there's still uh thanks i mean to, I, as, excuse me as far as exclusives go i suppose obviously you have the whole ps4 catalog you can play but hey that's true um yeah it's been a lot longer since the launch of the ps4 or since the launch of the ps5 uh compared to resogun um at the the start of ps4 but uh it's still yeah i think you're right one of the first uh, PS5 exclusives that wasn't just a launch game and basically Sony produced. Um, anyway, I've, I've spent a long time talking about it without talking about how it is, and I actually really, really like it so far. Um, I was nervous to see what Housemark would do with a bigger game like this. I was kind of worried, especially because it is a sort of roguelike, roguelite, a run-based sort of game. Uh, I was worried that it would feel slight and feel like a downloadable game that just got put on a disc for $70, but uh, I am really pleasantly surprised. It's really beautiful, for one. It's It really shows that it's a current-gen exclusive. Um, there's a lot of amazing particle effects, and there uh, there's a lot of great art design. Um, so... For those who are not aware, Returnal is a game where you play as a space traveler who is uh, like flying by a planet and crash lands on it, um, and she gets out of her ship and uh, encounters hostile life forms and dies and crash lands on the planet and gets out of her ship 
and encounters hostile life forms. And uh, every time you die, um, or every time she dies, she is like plucked from the afterlife or what have you by these tentacles um, in a little cutscene, and you see the the spaceship crash again, uh, and she can remember these uh, these past experiences. But uh, not all of them, because as you go through the world, you find little audio logs from yourself, versions of yourself that you don't remember, oh, on corpses cool. of yourself that you don't remember. And uh, it's really cool. And for having one single voice act actress, uh, she does an amazing job and sounds noticeably different in the different voice logs. Like she sounds haggard and... Uh, really beaten down and or uh, with the resolve and tenacity that it takes to survive through this pretty horrifying experience of not even being able to die. Um, yeah, I uh, I see some of the sort of arcade roots in the combat, which has a bit of a bullet hell uh, element to it when enemies, enemies will like lunge at you, uh, but they're their main form of attack is uh, shooting at you and they shoot these big sprays and um, like the, the first boss in particular, you have to move carefully to not get hit by these massive waves and patterns of, of bullets, um, which is kind of cool to see in a third person shooter of the relatively standard sort. Um, but yeah, I'm not too deep into it, so I don't have uh, super deep thoughts on it, but I am really enjoying it. And I was really interested uh, in this game when I learned of it, which was not that long ago. I, I don't know how this completely evaded my radar, but I saw some posts about it uh, coming up and looked into it, and I thought it looked really neat. And then after some of the reviews came out, I read a couple of them, and every one of them said the same thing, which was that the game is wonderful, but the runs are really long and you can't save in between them. And so for me, as the way that I play games and the time that I have to play them, that was a concern. Um, have you found that to be a problem at all? Yeah, I have not yet. I can see it coming up and it's definitely impacted the way that I think about playing it, where I know that I have to dedicate some time to it uh, when I sit down to play it and for for whatever reason that that keeps me from going back to it quite as much as I maybe would otherwise if I could just make a little bit of progress and then not worry about it um and come back later um like like with Hades uh Hades I would do that a lot where on a break at work I would play like a quarter of a run um and just mm -hmm. just play a little bit and set it down and come back later um but I have not run into that problem so far, partly because my runs just aren't that long. Um, currently, an average run for me is like 40 minutes, um, but that's because I have not even defeated the first boss yet. I've encountered it, but not defeated it. Um, gotcha. And well, so, can you like pause with? I mean, it's a you know, it's on PlayStation Five, so you should be able to pause and then you can resume it at another time because they kind of have that pause feature built in yeah so, so rest be able to do that rest mode does work that's that's totally okay. fine but if you start another game or take the disc out or what have you um mm. then then you uh just get kicked back to the start of a cycle um there is some stuff that carries over there are some permanent upgrades and some of those permanent upgrades shorten the 
time that it takes to catch up in a run. Like they they allow you, they give you traversal options that uh, that let you take shortcuts, which is, I mean, relatively standard. But it mm-hmm. it shortens the runs and makes it so that you're not just adding time to the run every time. And something uh, that seems to have been abandoned in in more modern games is some older games, especially older handheld like. I'm playing Castlevania Aria of Sorrow right now, and there's like a sleep mode, right? So you can just pause at any point in the game, even if you're not at a save, but you have to resume from where you were, and I wish there was some sort of feature like that. I would really like that. I think that would be perfect for this game. There is even a splash screen early on saying that Returnal is intended to be a challenging experience, and I think part of that is not being able to like just save and return to a spot if something goes wrong um but having that sleep mode where exactly you uh you get to come back to it but only that specific spot and only once and it quits you out as a part of it like uh the fire emblem games would do that uh, and i believe they still do That'd be something I, I mean, I imagine could be patched in, you know, I think so if they wanted to do that. And I think there's so much outcry about it that they probably will do something like that. That seems like the most elegant solution. Um, but I'm not having a huge, huge problem with it right now. But it's just a, a bit of a logistical uh, hiccup um, that. Well, so far you haven't had a problem with it. So your review is like, <laughs> hey, I haven't gotten that far, spent that much time, but it it hasn't impacted your your enjoyment of the game at all yeah uh i i think for the sake of accessibility though for different people with different lifestyles and different abilities to to play uh like zach who has kids and doesn't have all the time in the world to play games uh, straight in a row um i think it would be nice to make this game that is really great that i'm enjoying a lot uh, accessible to as many people as possible. Yeah, I told I totally would have probably already picked this game up if it weren't for that feature because I don't have like my normal gaming session is anywhere from thirty to forty five minutes at a, at like at most in one chunk, and then maybe I have to put it down for an hour and come back to it or whatever. But I don't usually get long chunks where I can play in a row. And so that's one of the reasons I particularly love handheld gaming uh, is because I can just like pick it up, drop it off whenever I want, especially on a switch, just put it to sleep. But if, if it's something that there's enough outcry and they do end up patching it in, I'll probably pick this game up because it sounds like a game I would absolutely love. Do you know Me, as someone, as someone who does not own a PS five uh, would love to see it come to PS or to PC, uh, as Sony has been publishing some of their first party titles on PC. Hey, yeah, that, that would be great. Um, especially also Bloodborne, please. Is there any <laughs> yes, discussion of, of Returnal coming to Xbox or, or any other platform or is it, cause I know they've put some stuff on PC, so that seems more likely than Xbox. Yeah, that seems more likely, but I haven't heard anything to to either effect and for games like horizon zero dawn it sure took a while after their playstation exclusivity so uh we'll see i don't think it's out of the question and especially like you seem to have a pretty nice pc so i'm sure you would be just fine running it Uh, but there are a lot of particle effects and uh pretty things going on a lot of moving um like, for example, there there's a section I got to with uh, a bunch of, like, tentacle-like grass all along the, the inside of this, like, cave tunnel area, uh, and they glow and follow you. 
and so as you walk through it, they'll like try to reach out like, hey, wait, don't go. Um, and just just to see what would happen, I just stood there and they all just sort of like uh, close in on you and just hang out right around your head. Um, it was it was pretty cute. They don't actually hurt you. Um, there are other grabby tentacle things in the environment that will hurt you later. But uh, yeah, it's a cool game. The combat is really fast and fun, and I look forward to getting deeper into it. Um, and yeah. Does it make good use of the DualSense controller? Oh my, I can't believe I almost forgot to talk about this. It is uh, pretty amazing the way that it implements the vibration in particular. Um, it's super immersive the way that it vibrates because it, it uses the vibration a lot and it will vibrate for everything like raindrops hitting your helmet. Uh, but uh, the vibration on the dual sense is so sensitive that it can do tiny, tiny vibrations for that. Um, I'm it having can localize a... them in areas of the controller too, which is really neat. Exactly. Yeah. And I have not tried this yet, but uh, with, I have heard it recommended that uh, you play this game with the pulse 3d headset the wireless headset for uh, for the PS5 that has 3D audio support, like a little surround sound in your ears, uh, because apparently the combination of those two just makes it super immersive, and I, I would be really excited to check that out. But uh, it also uses the variable trigger tension. Um, uh, each gun has an alternate fire, and you pull the trigger half the the left trigger halfway to zoom in with your gun. Um, but you uh, and it stops. It hits like a stop point uh, with increased tension. But you pull it further to uh, activate the alt fire. Um, and so, yeah, if you pull pull the trigger halfway or just loosely until it stops, you'll just zoom in with your regular fire. But when when the going really gets going and you need to use your alt fire you just jam it harder um and uh it's a cool way to to use that tech i'm really excited to see what developers do with the dual sense controllers features like will it be something that quickly gets abandoned because it's just gimmicky or is this something they'll continue using um because something like when you play the the astrobot game that's included with the ps5 it's like oh. kind of mind-blowing you're like holy cow the things that this controller is capable of just uh you know showing you through vibrations or through just sensitivity of the triggers uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. So, um, speaking of the Astro, the Astro, whatever, <laughs> who, who's the studio that made that game? Do you remember? I don't. It comes bundled know. with the PS5. Yeah, it comes pre-installed. I don't <clears throat> know who made it though. Um, well, whatever that studio is, Sony folded it. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's yeah. really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it's an approach. So Sony came out and said, hey, we just want to make AAA games and we want to have studios that make AAA games. We don't want smaller experiences. And then they folded that studio. That's really crummy because for, I never played it, but by all accounts, the Astrobot VR game was really incredible. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the the experience of this Astrobot game on the on the PlayStation was so wonderful. Like that was the first thing I did when I loaded up. Like I bought Assassin's Creed. I played the Astrobot game first because I wanted to check that out and then i ended up getting every collectible in the game because i was so <laughs> enthralled with it um well doesn't it, it it's like a whole history from what i hear yeah, what it's, you told it's a me tribute like, yeah it's a, it's a tribute to playstation and their legacy of in video gaming it's great it's it's really cute it's like uh 
Um, it's a little bit like the Rabbids are for Ubisoft. These little robots are for, for PlayStation. You'll see a little like Kratos robot. And it's it's a really fun game. Uh, I have to, to mention, I did a little bit of digging and uh, credit to The Verge for this article uh, from February talking about it. Uh, apparently, Japan Studio, um, uh, one of Sony's internal game developers, uh, is being wound down, but it's being wound down to focus their staff towards uh, Team Asobi, which is the Astro's play- Playroom developers. So uh, fortunately, the developers of this game are uh, getting more support, at least. Uh, not, oh, interesting. That's not good. Less. Okay. Good. So... Yeah, good, good for them. They certainly earned it. Um, Astro's Playroom is super cool, and it is absolutely mind-blowing. Even just the little demonstration of the controller that it gives you at the very start of it. But also, it's a really fun little platformer with a lot of beautiful little PlayStation Easter eggs. Um, uh, just, a, uh, Nick, I'm curious. What was the... Uh, and, Gary, I'm sorry that you can't weigh in on this, but, Nick, mm-hmm. when you played Astro's Playroom, what was the one demonstration that you went, holy shit? Uh, it was <laughs> the me, triggers, it was for sure. The trigger? Okay. So, for me, it was... Um, there's a part where you're running around and there's raindrops falling, and it's just like little plinks of vibration on the controller. Oh. Yeah, like, all over your hand. And I went... What is happening? I don't understand. <laughs> my, <laughs> my brain couldn't comprehend it. <laughs> yeah, the there's a part really early, before you even play the game, where it's showing you how the controller works, and it has you pull the triggers um, to like fire jets uh, uh, from the bottom of a little controller on the screen, and it uh, it increases the tension as you get to uh, towards the end of the trigger, and then it has a... A, a give point where if you pull hard enough, it just clicks and fires, and it just feels so incredible. Um, it's so satisfying, and I just sat there and did that for a few minutes. And <laughs> I called my partner over and like, "Hey, you need to see this. This is this is amazing." Um, I did similar. I handed my wife the controller and I was like, "Play this." She's like, "I don't want to." I'm like, "Just do it." <laughs> you guys, you gotta try this out. Yeah. Um, While we're talking about the DualSense, I have to mention one thing, um, which uh, comes up between Returnal and Call of Duty, um, which is one of the few third-party games that uh, has made use of all the DualSense features. Uh, I hope we see more third-party developers using it and not just abandoning it because it's not on the Xbox and they don't want to put in the work to make uh, something that only works for one system. Um but Call of Duty put in the, the effort and they use the vibration and the triggers or the trigger sensitivity. Uh, and between that and Returnal, I've noticed my hands getting numb sometimes because I'm not used to such constant vibration. Uh, I'm starting to get used to it, but it's something that I never thought never thought about uh, until I started experiencing it. Like, yeah, if you're getting vibration all the time in little little bits, your hands aren't used to that. Unless you have early symptoms of carpal tunnel. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping it's just the controllers. Right. Um, well, that's a pretty long uh, PS5 discussion that Garrett can't partake in. Uh, what have you been up to, Garrett? Let's, let's hear from you. Um, well, uh, Outriders came out, I think, at the end of April. And I have a, a friend, my, my, my last Xbox friend. Uh, I play Xbox every Tuesday with him. And uh, he, he likes to jump around different games, and he wanted to try out Outriders because it's the new 
Um, People Can Fly developed Square Enix published um, third person shooter game. Um, kind of think the the combat is kind of like Gears of War. Kind of you you have a bunch of chest high walls that you hide behind and you're shooting aliens. Um, but it has kind of like a, a Diablo type progression and gear system where as you progress in the game, you go you go up in world tiers, which is the difficulty as you play the game. So like in the first hour of the game, I was on world tier five out of 15. And the higher the tiers go, the better loot and the stronger the enemies are. That's fun. Well, we quickly cap we quickly capped out at like seven and had to roll back to five oh. because everything just became like really bullet spongy. And until you start getting, you know, your, your advanced powers and start building out your skill tree, um, you are, you'll just sit there and your hand will go numb from holding down the right (laughs) trigger and shooting a machine, like four, uh, magazines of, uh, of an LMG, like 450 rounds, like into a guy. And then it's like half of his health bar is still there. And that's a normal enemy. So there, there are some things, I mean, you can tweak the challenge of it, um, I'll just be super brief. The story is not great. Um, it goes, it, it, it's self-proclaimed as a hardcore, uh, sci-fi, um, shooter, uh, story and hardcore is right. If you just think that being hardcore is adding in the F bomb every <laughs> four or five words, um, everybody's like really gritty and edgy and it, it's, it's got some interesting concepts there, but it's got some interesting concepts there, but I just think it fails in the overall execution of, of having a gripping story. But what I will say is because it's a part of Xbox Game Pass, it's the only reason that I am even trying it because as a $60 release, it had a pretty abysmal launch. They actually still record one of the big features of the game was that you could do crossplay. So if you're on Steam, Epic Store, PS4, Xbox One, Series X, or PS5, it didn't matter. You could play together. So that is really cool with this type of game. Um, the problem is, is within a few days, or I think actually the launch day, they disabled it by default for everyone and said, we don't recommend using this because you will lose progress or weird things will happen or you'll get disconnects. And they're still working on it. That must explain why I heard a lot about this game leading up to the release. And then have it's been like radio silence ever since. Well, I tried the demo. They had a free demo on PC. And I checked it out. And I went, man, this game has some like really cool gameplay stuff. Um, but the story... I, I watched all the cutscenes in the beginning, which is like the first hour of the game. And it just... It's not compelling. Um, the The... The things that you learn just fighting the enemies about the world are great. The dialogue is awful. The execution is awful. Characters turn on a dime, and and I think that they expect you to be like, whoa, you never saw that coming. But when every person is just trying to murder you, then I I don't know. It's not very compelling for storytelling. So um, my recommendation would be if you have Xbox Game Pass, install it, check it out. Um, or wait till the game is is finished. Um, but n- it's <laughs> oh, not for the story. Um, the the um, the gameplay is really fun, especially playing co-op. Um, but but yeah, uh, that I, I've been playing that kind of every Tuesday um, with him over the last month, and and it's been it's been kind of dumb fun. And then as my character's powers progress, uh, it's been it's been getting really really interesting with the different um, 
approaches you take to combat as you start getting like better and better gear and actually making builds kind of like if you're familiar with like a Diablo, you know, you don't really start playing the game until you hit max level and then you can start getting, you know, legendary items that give you crazy powers. But it sounds very Diablo like the um, the progression, like the world progression in the way that you gradually step up the difficulty as you go along um, reminds me a lot of the way that Diablo three handles its difficulty as you uh just gradually step up uh even as you're playing through your first playthrough eventually i outpaced i almost outpaced the difficulty levels that they were allowing me to to get to the world Mm -hmm. tiers sound like the nightmare levels of the difficulty exactly exactly that's exactly that's pretty much exactly what it is except for you start gaining nightmare levels when you start the game and then you decide what difficulty you want. So it's not like a traditional game where it's like easy, medium, hard, and then there's an unlocked difficulty when you beat the story. It is you start on world tier one, which is the lowest difficulty. And then you graduate to world tier two. And the only stick that they have is that if you are on the highest world tier that you've unlocked and you die, you lose some progress on that tier. Um, so you have to get a, a certain amount of experience in order to go to the next world tier, but it's scalable. You just press start and you go to world tier and you change it I mean, you can just change it on the fly anytime, which I think is really cool. Uh, especially if you're playing with different people with different skill levels, it really helps kind of make it more accessible to a wider audience. It's pretty, uh, it's good value um, that it's on game pass and you can play this without having to invest the $60 uh game pass is incredible for that reason you can try out so many things without having to actually invest the upfront cost right um i know you're a big uh, advocate for it you tell me all the time it's on game pass just get game pass and i'm like <laughs> so. game pass well, is really really excellent um i've discovered some games that i really enjoy and uh i uh stop me if i'm repeating something i've already said before uh but like the outer worlds in particular um actually no so the outer worlds and the outer wilds uh both of those you mentioned outer wilds previously (laughs) both of those games are games i enjoy a lot and games that i played uh via game pass um outer worlds is great but i think outer wilds is one of the best games i've ever played and i don't know that i would have spent the 25 dollars on it sight unseen or at least i wouldn't have gone in so quickly without learning more and i'm so glad that i went into that game as blind as i did because ex- experiencing and learning the world of that game is such a huge part of the enjoyment of it so i think most recently i was looking at the steam sale and i was going to pick up spirit fair and garrett i i texted him and, and you and i think <laughs> actually i think i just wrote it in our group and i'm like hey have, have either of you guys played this is it worth this and garrett just goes it's on game pass <laughs> <laughs> yep well i say that because you know, it's like a dollar all the time. and Yeah, it's super um, cheap. You know, it's it, on sale constantly. Yeah, and, and, you know, you're such a collector and, and your time. I'm like, okay, well, if if you happen to have this. Yeah. I- <laughs> Funny enough, so, like, I, I've been an Xbox guy since the first Xbox. Like, that's been my system. And until I got the PS5 and then I haven't abandoned Xbox by any means. I just have only played games on on the playstation since i got it because it's like this new fancy toy i got my xbox is just a netflix machine at this point so uh and that's well, yeah of course you and that's only because i don't want to sign into netflix on my playstation because then i get charged another account or whatever and i'm too lazy to deactivate the other one <laughs> so 
<laughs> well, the the last thing that I had, which um, I won't go into detail about, but there is a really big rumor that NetherRealm is making a fighting game for Marvel. Um, Yo, so that's, that's super, super exciting. exciting. We are profits. Jinx. <laughs> yeah. So so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. There's nothing really to talk about. There's a person who apparently is an industry insider and is like, yeah, they've been working for a while. And on Twitter, they went crazy. They're like, look at this thing with Ed Boone. Like he hesitates when they ask him about, and I'm like, oh whatever. Um, so me as a big fighting game fan, it'd be cool. I, I really like what another realm did with DC. Um, if they could do something similar, even if it's like a reskinned injustice without all the damn loot boxes, then uh, that would be pretty sweet. But that that's all I had. Um, I Zach, mean, Injust- you? Injustice is super fun. Like, even for me, who's not a fighting game fan, like, just the story alone is so good. Like, I've mm-hmm. read the comics, and I believe it. you told me it originated with the games, which I didn't know. And yep. so mm-hmm. uh, I hope they do something like that with Marvel. It'd be really fun. Just do, like, a kind of a what-if story, super crazy, let let yeah. Ed Boon and NetherRealm just go wild with their imagination, and, and it'd be awesome. Uh, it's not bound to be bloody at all because I doubt Marvel will allow that, or I guess Disney will allow that. But um, yeah, they should, still find ways a lot of fun. to keep it interesting without mm-hmm. so much blood in Injustice. Um, there's some like Batman having the uh, Batwing with machine guns, yeah, <laughs> just like <laughs> peppering people. There's some there's some pretty violent stuff in it, um, and uh, even MK versus DC when they had the MK characters have fatalities and then the DC characters. Uh, kind of didn't, um, or at least the heroes didn't, but they still had uh, finishers that were cool uh, in their in their own way. But I, mm-hmm. I was happy to see them split so that Injustice could focus on the superhero characters and not have to worry about melding the, the universes, uh, and then yeah. MK can get back to being outrageously bloody. Well, and Injustice 2 was a spectacle. I mean, oh. it is a spectacle. It still looks absolutely beautiful. And the story, how they pick it up and continue, and, and the, it has these semi-branching paths with a few different endings. The thing that drove me crazy was I love player choice, right? That's I'm always going to advocate for player choice. But the problem is, is that they advocated player choice through loot boxes, which you could absolutely earn in-game, but it was grindy and when they unleashed DLC characters like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> yeah. well... It was actually four characters in one, but there was a catch. You only got Leonardo because you started with Leonardo's weapons. You had to grind or pay real money for loot boxes to hope to get one of the other turtles weapons and then make a different loadout with that weapon to play that turtle. Yeah. Well, so, if they do something similar with Marvel with loot boxes, I'm sure we're we're not going to have the same issue, right, guys? Like Marvel's uh, not known for loot boxes in any of their games. <laughs> oh, my uh (laughs) yeah that's that's the thing uh that's the the thing that i the main thing that i don't like uh about mortal kombat 11 maybe the only thing i don't like about mortal kombat 11 is that it has a very injustice 2 like uh system that way where there's uh it's not uh tied to the gear that you equip uh necessarily though the gear does have some stat boosts and things that uh that you can turn off in uh, in multiplayer play in certain modes, which is nice. Uh, but there, it's very modular with the way that you select your character's abilities. There are uh, different loadouts. You can build loadouts of um, here are the like three 
extra moves that I want to have from this list of possible options. And I really liked the way that Mortal Kombat X did it, where there were just three variations of each character. And so you had mm-hmm. that variety, but you had that variety in, in very specific ways uh, that felt really fleshed out. Like, um, <laughs> it's it's funny because a guest character is the one that comes to mind first. But uh, uh, Jason Voorhees had a, a, like, more ranged, like, machete-throwing um, version, and he had more of a grappler version, and he had more... Uh, and he had a version that was uh, more tanky and sort of, like, teleporty. He would... Yeah, he would absorb, he had like armor, so he would absorb attacks to counterattack and then could, yeah, teleport. You just hear, no, wait, that's Michael Myers, right? Uh, No, I'm pretty. Or is that Jason? Pretty sure that's Jason. Mm. Oh, boy. We're bad horror fans. I have no idea. Who knows? (laughs) Zach doesn't like scary movies and he doesn't know. He sees Jason on Mortal Kombat X and goes, ah! And then turn again. Well, well, speaking of Jason and X, um i think we should all watch jason x sometime because it's not very scary it's incredible it's incredibly goofy uh i think that movie's a lot of fun Hi- highly recommended it is jason in space i have actually seen jason x hey. uh and it is not scary at all <laughs> no it really so. isn't it's so dumb i love it um well let's let's uh i have nothing to contribute to this topic really because i'm still playing the same games i was last week I, i've been sinking the majority of my time into the show and castlevania aria of sorrow which i hit uh, i'll say briefly i hit a very difficult spot that made me rage <laughs> yeah. really hard and, and i i, I almost nick about it <laughs> i almost didn't need to ask where it was because i knew it was the clock tower oh my god it was the basically fuck medusa heads yep. to with every fiber of my being i despise them uh and then let's uh let's just uh end there and uh, that's, all, that's all i've been up to so we can uh we can move on to our question of the week here um yeah this one is a is this was a difficult one for me um i had a hard time and even like up until right recording this episode i was thinking about what it was um so this comes from joel via twitter uh And he asks, what is the change to a beloved series that subsequently led to you abandoning it? And he gives an example here. He says, I stopped playing Final Fantasy when they got voice actors. And I think that's very strange because Final Fantasy X, if I'm not wrong, was the first one with voice acting. And that is maybe my second favorite Final Fantasy game ever. It's so good. So Yeah, it's it's really good. I love Final Fantasy X. I can understand a bit where he's coming from, though, where that game is really good, but the voice acting in it is pretty awful. Especially that's most PS2 era games, though, I feel <laughs> that it wasn't it wasn't refined. Well, also, you know, think about all the games up until this point, right? It's kind of like reading a book and then watching the movie and then going, what the fuck? Like <laughs> that that per, that actor or that voice um, does not fit what was in my head and you can kind of project your own voices and characters and some people go choose for me i don't care the voice is the voice but some people get really attached to um that choice and and i could definitely sympathize with joel where he goes oh man like i don't get to i don't get to that's part of it that's taken away from me that's a choice that's made you know by the designers and that's just i think modernizing you know it's part of growing the genre and like video games in general as you get more memory and more more computing power you can add things like voice acting for an entire game 
I mean, they they added there was voice acting back in like the Sega CD, so it's not like it started with that generation, but totally right. became more prevalent around then. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> random side note about Final Fantasy X, I find it hilarious that I never knew until I was listening to an episode of Retronauts about uh maybe this game or maybe something else but i didn't i had no idea the main character's name was titus and yep. not titus so that was uh i think that's hilarious <laughs> that's that's a real that. final fantasy for cecil cecil um <laughs> so let's let's start with um nick you you said you had a good one here so i'm, I'm i want to hear it yeah i appear to have been the first one of us to come up with an answer um my my answer also took some some soul searching and deep diving uh as i mentioned at the very top uh i feel like most game series have some kind of forward progress uh or else the series doesn't get to continue um but the one that lost me at least for a time was call of duty uh there there was a very high profile dispute between uh Weston Zampella the heads of Infinity Ward and Activision over royalties over Modern Warfare 2 and they were ejected from the studio and uh about a third of the studio left with them there's a great video from the time that I could not find uh leading up to this uh, that may have disappeared from the internet, but it's it's just the Modern Warfare 2 credits, but with uh, a strike through the name of everyone who left, and it is amazing the amount of red in that in that video, because um, so many That's people... That's quite, quite the statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, uh, shout out to uh, Patrick Klepek of MTV Multiplayer Blog at the time, and um, has done a lot of other great news work since uh currently at waypoint still i believe um but uh he did really incredible investigative coverage of this whole thing and had like a source inside infinity ward um he's responsible for a lot of what we know about that that time um but in effect weston zampella left they took a bunch of their best people uh or at least those people uh, decided to leave as well, and they started Respawn, who made the excellent Titanfall games and the excellent Apex Legends. Um, but uh, what that left uh, Activision with was an Infinity Ward that was not what it used to be, uh, sort of akin to how Bioware is now, unfortunately. Um, and so, I'm so sad. <laughs> and so that's how we ended up with Call of Duty Ghosts, uh, which is awful 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 i never played so it's funny that i fell off at the same time without having that same reason so i played a lot of modern warfare 2 and that was it i never i didn't touch a call of duty game until black ops cold war because i was just tired of the gameplay like i had played the game since the first one i was tired of the online community i was tired of the the freaking Kill rewards specifically drove me insane. And I just said, okay, that's enough of this. I'm not going to play this. And I didn't touch a game for years and years and years. And it's hilarious to me that that is at the exact time that they left and I didn't even know it. (laughs) It's just a thing that it's just where I naturally dropped off. Yeah, it's uh, Modern Warfare 2 was the apex of my time spent playing it too up until uh, last year's Modern Warfare reboot. 
Um, it's it's funny after after all that time, it took uh, I believe it was that Modern Warfare reboot. Uh, actually, it was Black Ops Four uh, that got me back into it. I really loved the first Black Ops, and um, uh, and the second Black Ops was great as well, naturally. But um, I I had already kind of fallen off the train um, uh, because Modern Warfare 3 I, I also didn't play also because uh, it was made by an Infinity Ward without uh, most of the people who made it good uh, and so I skipped Black Ops 2 as well and only only enjoyed it after the fact but I've gone back and played a bunch of those games like uh, Advanced Warfare uh, since since coming back to the series with Black Ops 4 and actually really enjoyed them um, it's kind of just the, um, the first few Infinity Ward games after that, uh, after that break that are really bad. Um, uh, I, I have to also mention, uh, uh, I was reading an article earlier, uh, talking about how a lot of the staff that left actually came back for Modern Warfare, the reboot in 2019, um, oh, I had no idea. Sense. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Which that's why it's so yeah, good. <laughs> it, it explains the return to form. Um, but yeah, uh, Modern Warfare and Black Ops Cold War are both excellent, and they have really, really won me back. And I am uh, happy with the resources they're putting into it these days. But it really went through a dark time. Uh, I have to, I have to note uh, at the moment, Zach is being attacked by a real life Rachna Kadaki. So it is punishment for him not playing more Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, have fun. Uh, also, it spits fire. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good luck with that. And also the babies on its back, which may actually be true. Yeah, that might be true. I saw an extra lump on that picture you sent me. <laughs> but it just crawled It just crawled across his webcam. Literally so. across um, the screen, like it's an eternal darkness sanity effect. <laughs> it's got... So, uh, its legs are so long. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Anyway, Garrett, it's white uh, like Arachna Kadaki too. Even do you want me? Do you want me to go while you just hold your breath, or do you want to talk <laughs> so that you can not focus on the spider? No, go ahead, man. I'm, I'm, I want to hear what you have to say. So I had a hard time with this because, as I stated in a previous episode, I will play just about anything, um, especially if it's co-op or even if it's part of a series where I might get disheartened, but I'll play through. Like I played through Mass Effect Andromeda, and the reason that I played Mass Effect Andromeda is because. I bought Mass Effect Andromeda, and because I spent <laughs> my money on it, I'm going to play it. And, and you have a so completely I, so different philosophy than I have. Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, um, so at first I was thinking about the Halo games, and then I was like, no, I just didn't like the story design. I like the gameplay. And then I came to one that I, I think is a beloved franchise for me. Um, and I think most Xbox fans, which is, which is Gears of War. So Gears of War has like a really special place in my heart because I grew up and played video games with my dad. I was very fortunate that he was like a big kid and <laughs> Me too. he didn't really like Halo. Like he, he, he played it, but was like, eh, but for some reason, the third person wall hugging action, like super chunky soldiers, yeah. he was like, I'm super into this. It feels chunky and, and satisfying in a way that uh appeals to me as well like halo i like intellectually but there's something about especially how bullet spongy the enemies are that doesn't feel as satisfying as the 
the mm-hmm. immediacy and chunkiness of Gears. So I've always been more of a Gears guy than a Halo guy. Yeah, and and uh, we could have a whole separate podcast on the mechanics of Halo and, and it, going through the years. But for me, for Gears, I think that it's story pinnacle for me personally because I've finished four. I've played through like the first act of five. But there's just I feel like the thing the thing that made me really like it was that, yeah, it were it was these like big, ridiculous, like, you know, the story of like almost like human folly again. Right. They're on another planet. They're like, we're digging for resources. Oh, crap. The thing the thing that lived here before us is trying to kill us. It's right? basically aliens. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it came to a pinnacle for me in two. And this is I'm going to say spoilers for Gears of War 2. So, if you know pause it or fast forward or whatever spoilers for this 15 year old game when you find yeah exactly when you find dom's wife in the tunnels and she's dead and the whole time like dom's been trying to find his wife that was like for for a shooter game that was kind of like this dark sci-fi kind of bro like buddy comedy thing or it, it just like it had this like real moment for me personally and I was like, damn, like I actually felt for Dom, you know, and then yeah, number three, I played number three um, mainly because my dad and my dad's friend, we always played Horde mode. We would play the campaign over and over and over again, but I felt like three didn't have the same effect for me. And then when four came out, my dad kind of was busy, wasn't really playing games anymore. I played four solo by myself and, you know, maybe that's part of it is like the co-op experience with that game because I feel like it's built from the ground up to be played with another person. But I also like I I just didn't the, the characters didn't connect with me. The story didn't connect with me. It just kind of felt like more of the same. I felt very much like um and we've had a separate discussion about this, but like episode seven of Star <laughs> Wars, where it was like, we're going to try to hit the same story beats, um, but add like a little bit of new flavor in it to for like the new generation. And it wasn't the fact that, you know, the new characters took a backseat because I feel like um, uh, the studio did a really good job, you know, with the old characters and transitioning to the new team. It just didn't have it didn't have enough in it that was new and different to make me go, okay, like this is, this is like a continuation of the story and and the combat mechanics. Like I I can't really say, and it's kind of a cop out because that's the only game that I can really think of that. I really love that series and I just cannot, I, I haven't had it in me to finish number five. Like I pick it up and I play a mission and I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then like six months later, I, I've reinstalled it like eight <laughs> times. I go and I try to continue where I'm from. And I'm like, well, I don't really know where I am. Let me like go one chapter back. And I just, I, that's the only thing that I can really think of. Um, and I can't pinpoint an exact change or what they did. Um, it just, it just fell off for me. Which is funny. I, I agree that, uh, that gears two is the apex of that series. Um, but I actually really like four and five, and I think it's uh, it's largely because of specifically Kate Diaz, uh, the character who is a a big part of uh, Gears Four and the star of Gears Five. Um, I I think she's a really interesting fleshed out character, and her voice performance by Laura Bailey is just incredible. Um, she brings a lot of the the force that keeps me with that series um uh especially as 
a lot of the rest of the new characters are not not great. Uh, they're they're good characters, but they're not as likable. They're there's a bit of a uh, deconstruction of the sort of bro attitude of the earlier games and uh, and how that uh, can be folly rather than cool. Um, but Kate is especially interesting and I wanted to see her story. And I think the mechanics of those games have stayed interesting to me, at least, and they've changed in ways that I've appreciated. Uh, in particular, five has this pretty significant open world ish segment in the early going that I really enjoyed with this, uh, this like hover skiff or uh, like sail skiff that you uh, ride through this icy area. That's a lot of fun to drive around. Um, yeah, I never, I never even got that. Oh, that's far. funny. <laughs> so I got, I got to where you get to one of the settlements, which is again another like anti cog you know thing which like i get it and i, I get why it's there they um, but like <laughs> that it, it just feel it just feels tired like i want something more because the cog is always the cog and i, I guess that's kind of some of the point of that mm-hmm. story but it's like the cog is the same cog and the and the the uh the people who live outside in the outskirts were former cog but then you know and it just yeah i I, I think it's interesting uh as as someone who uh, maybe has a predilection for finding uh, stories about the uh, dark side of the military or the police system or what have you. Um, interesting uh, the way that they analyze the impact that Cog can have and not and them not necessarily being the good guys. Like they're uh, even as early on as as where you were, there's a discussion of a pretty significant war crime uh th- that oh, yeah. uh that the cog perpetrated and um uh i don't want to spoil it uh because this game is pretty new um but there are some revelations about who uh was responsible for that war crime that are pretty uh pretty interesting and have some ramifications for the rest of the game um yeah, it's I I think that story is interesting, but I I think it never quite hits the same emotional resonance that um that 2 did. Like exactly like you were saying in that moment mm-hmm. finding Dom's wife. Um and I I think uh the voice cast that they had for those early games was so good and so perfectly cast and and Dom's uh Dom's voice actor really really sold that uh that moment in particular. Oh, yeah. Well, Zach, I don't have any contribution to the Gears of War discussion. I <laughs> I have not uh, played those games. Oh, we 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 can move, we can totally. <laughs> yeah, move I, 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 your answer. I, I was fascinated by listening to you guys talk about it because the most I've played Gears of War was with you, Garrett, and we played we played it online like three levels, and that was the extent of what I've played Gears mm-hmm. of War. So it's a series that I've I've always heard of, and I and I wanted to get into, but never has stuck with me for whatever reason. So it was was interesting to hear. Um, As far as my choice for this question, um, I had a really, really hard time with this. uh, We got this question like a while ago, and I've been (laughs) thinking about it, and I cannot decide. Um, Two things came to mind. One of them, I'm going to say, is Grand Theft Auto, and that is I played two, I played three, I played Vice City, I played San Andreas, and then I hated four. I know that's probably an unpopular opinion, but 
I really, really disliked Grand Theft Auto 4. It was gray. I didn't like the main character. Driving vehicles felt like you were on a, a box with butter for wheels. <laughs> and I, I really just, I disliked everything about the game. It was the first game I bought for my Xbox 360. That's not my choice, though. My choice is... Resident Evil 4, or Resident Evil, excuse me. Oh, After f- I was going to oh. say, oh my god, dude. Yeah. After oh. 4, so I love 4. 4 is one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. After that, I have not liked a single game in the series. Oof. Um, I know a lot of people love 7. I tried to play it twice, and I could not get into it. I I don't know. It's I know it's, <laughs> so it's objectively scarier, and maybe that's why, because yeah. I'm a, a noted chicken, and I don't like <laughs> horror games. I don't like horror movies, um, but... He doesn't like when I say boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Zach. I, I, I promise <laughs> I wouldn't. You startled me. It was, uh, <laughs> but I did, I, I do love the Resident Evil games, and so like I've played uh, a good chunk of the games from four and before, but... Anything after that, like I played all the all of five with uh, my buddy. We played it co-op, and it wasn't Resident Evil. It was just like a third-person action game that had the title slapped on it. And uh, I tried starting six, and I thought it was oh, awful. Six I, is I really awful. didn't like it. I'm an apologist for five, and I think six is awful. I I could not get more than about an hour into six. Five is not a bad game. It's very per different, se, but it's not Resident Evil. It's a big dumb That's action my... movie. Right. Well, especially coming off the back of Resident Evil 4, like how could you ever follow that up and they're just like Fast yeah. and Furious. They <laughs> they got yeah, the it's tone like Resident Evil f- so perfect with Resident Evil 4 where they managed to keep it creepy and scary while having these action elements and make it scary even when you have more power, which is the typical way that a horror game makes it scary is by reducing the amount of agency you have by reducing the amount of power you have to destroy things and you have a lot of firepower in that game but it's still frightening it's four was perfect to me it's like it's i think that's a 10 out of 10 game i think it's um you know not only is it does it maintain the the aspect of constant you know worry and um uncertainty of the previous games in the series but it it updates it and modernizes it has that third person over the shoulder perspective that has become kind of a staple in action games. I mean, it's a really revolutionary game in that way. And the way they they really um, uh, keep that tension is by they limit the amount of ammunition you get. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like you're like, I have this rocket launcher, I have nothing to use it. <laughs> and so um, and the inventory management that you have to do throughout the game. And I've played and beat that game like three or four times on multiple systems. It's it's so wonderful, but yeah, after that, I have had a really hard time getting into the series. I know there's a lot of hype about eight right now, but that's mostly due to really um, uh, big vampire lady reasons. <laughs> yeah, big, big big vampire lady. I think she's uh, had been mentioned uh, on the podcast. Probably. Yeah. I'm I'm pro um, big vampire lady. I'm also pro Resident Evil Seven. I think that might be my favorite game in the series, uh, even though four is incredible. Um, yeah, no, never mind. Four, four beats it for sure. Uh, <laughs> it is an all-time classic. But uh, but seven, I really love, uh, especially because it's so scary. It's it's scary, but not in a way. Again, the uh, they're masters of making those games scary without completely removing all your agency. It's uh, 
very creepy and it has a pretty small cast but all of the characters are really well defined and interesting and any of them that turn into monsters turn into really gross upsetting monsters that are uh like make sense for who the character is um it's so good uh but i can absolutely see why you wouldn't like it uh as it is much more horror I think that yeah, the, that the shift of first person is also just, oh that makes a big difference. It puts you in their head. That's the big thing for me. I think it's it's not only is that game just more. It feels like it's more spooky than any of the other Resident Evil games. But the shift mm-hmm. of first person really was was throwing me off. Um, I have not dared to play it in VR, but apparently that is just <laughs> unreal pants shitting terrifying. Yeah, and and that's my biggest complaint is that it's a PlayStation VR exclusive. I watched a playthrough because I was mad that I couldn't play it on my PC on VR. Um, And I would like if they came out and they're like, well, Resident Evil 7 is really or 8 is releasing today, but we're also porting VR from PSVR to PC. I would instantly buy it and play it that day. But I can't I can't have that experience. and, And I really felt like that was just shifting into first person i played first person scary games before and i watched a playthrough of seven because much to my disappointment but i would i want to be in it i I, like especially with that perspective shift i think that first person isn't enough for me i want (laughs) to i want to be in vr and and i want to um i want to experience the world which is another frustration because i don't have an oculus and the oculus is getting resident evil 4 vr Ah. which is such bullshit <laughs> yo unless I this unless, is news to unless, me i have an oculus <laughs> yeah they just ha- they just had a G- oculus game showcase and um resident evil 4 vr they rebuilt it from the ground up it's not just like a port with perspective change they actually changed how you interact with things and what you have to do um added 3d directional audio too for things sneaking up on wow. you and, and um re-textured a bunch of like i think it's like over 1400 different textures in the whole game like they have been working on this for quite some time now i will be no i'm not okay with it because you have to have a facebook account damn it i'm not wait i'm not i don't have a facebook uh, account to use my oculus uh the oculus store will require a facebook account oh gross yeah i mean so i have a you facebook can use account, the oculus i don't want to link for... it <laughs> Yeah, you can use the Oculus for Steam VR, and you can use, you know, I've got an index. You can use an index on the Oculus Store, but in order to sign into the Oculus Store, you have to use a Facebook account. Ah. Um, there's no other way to get into it, um, and you have to use a Facebook account. And Just so sign in with I a have, podcast account. Have, it's fine. <laughs> there, there you go. We'll have our podcast. Time to make okay, a burner account just for, for playing these <laughs> games, right? <laughs> no, Nick Nick had the ultimate solution. I'll use the podcast there account. We go. That's it. And then we can all play. Yeah. Oh, perfect. There you go. There's no physical copies, X. Don't yeah. worry. I saw you sweating. Don't um, worry about it. Well, that's that's my choice. I, I have not enjoyed a single Resident Evil game I've played since four. Um so here's, it's here's a question just to just to extend it a little more. Have you played sure. the Resident Evil two remake? I have not yet. Ooh. Um although I probably don't lump that in the same category because it's it's a remake of an old game that's great, but I, I think it's I've heard it's good. I think it's really interesting. It does change some significant things from two and it also makes the mechanics a lot more like four. I think I think mm-hmm. Resident Evil two the remake might be exactly what you're looking for because it is it is 
kind of scary. Like, uh, especially Mr. X is a f- frightening presence no matter what. Is, you mean the Kool-Aid man? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Just shoot his hat off. He's a lot a lot less alarming with his outfit yeah. his hat. <laughs> <laughs> he gets shy. But, yeah, that, that game is really excellent, that, that remake. Uh, and I think... They they do the the perfect job of what a remake should do, I think, uh, which is make the game feel like what you remember the original game feeling like, like taking it and modernizing it enough mm-hmm. that you get the same sort of emotions and experience. Now, similar to uh, Final Fantasy VII, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, I have only played Resident Evil Two Remake. I've never played the original. And I loved, just because I never owned a PlayStation, but I loved, like, RE2 Remake is up there with 4. I think it might be just ahead of 4 Ooh. for me, just because of the presentation. Um, and, and it was just because I had never experienced it before. Um, and the original I, I 2 the... is really hard to go back to at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's got those yeah. old tank controls. And, and, it's got, and there's you know, kind PS1. of a reason with I, the remake around. Right. Yeah. Well, I started Resident Evil with 4. That was my first Resident Evil game ever. Likewise. Um, but when I played RE2 Remake, I beat it in two nights because oh, wow. I was so I like I, I bought the game because um, it was on sale for like 20 bucks, like a year after it came out on Steam. And I booted it up and I'm like, I like Resident Evil like as a franchise. Let me try this. It's been getting rave reviews. I played the first night like four hours, which is huge for me like i usually don't sit and something can't hold my attention that long usually or i or i don't choose to stay up way too late and then be sleep the next morning because (laughs) of it but this game had me and i and i started on a friday night and then the next day i i did all the things that i needed to do and i i talked to, to to lisa and i go i when when the sun goes down I have to play this game and I have to finish it. And I finished it the second night wow. and I was like, okay, I'm starting my B uh, playthrough with, with Amazing. Claire. And uh, then I, then it took me a couple weeks cause I like spaced it out. But then I, I did an A playthrough. I did a B playthrough and man, was it just so much fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot and, and I did enjoy four. I mean, four is fantastic, but I'm talking about right now, playing that experience and just being so engrossed in it 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 was it was incredible i would highly recommend it. i've been really curious to go back to uh or not go back to but check out the resident evil 3 uh remake i've heard i've heard that it's good but people were really disappointed at how short it was oh hey that's not bad actually because if anything short is a good thing for how little time we can have yeah, well, I mean, part of it, too, is the the controversy around it, or not controversy, but the, I guess the backlash was the developers knew it was short, so they added, um, what what is it called, Reverse, uh, RE Reverse, which is a multiplayer oh. game that's packaged with huh. RE, and I don't know if it's called Reverse, but it's something like that, it's like RE, whatever, and it's an asymmetric multiplayer game, kind of like Dead by Daylight, where there are four... Uh, uh, player characters who are survivors and then one person who's controlling the situation and there are certain maps and the the controller can go in and like spawn monsters and like actually take over i think like a boss monster like a mr x or a nemesis and um the survivors have to work together to uh, hit checkpoints 
And what they did is it, it, there was a PS2 era game that I think only came out in Japan, which was a Resident Evil co-op survival online game um, where you could go through, and, you know, Biohazard Resident Evil and do these maps and cooperate. So it's kind of like that. But a lot of people felt like it was really tacked on and the online experience is really bad. There's a lot of like um, bad like server lag issues <laughs> and a bunch of like really weird design choices that they made with um, like impassable objects or, or the the clues being very obscure. And, and so the, <laughs> the, the, the developers tried to make it so that it would be variable, right? But with that variability comes randomness and it's not it's – not, um, it's not predictable and it's not fun. It's it's like, well, if RNG didn't screw the survivors, maybe they have a chance of oh. beating the the mastermind. <laughs> um, so so a lot of people were like, well, I wish that they would have like maybe f- fleshed out the single player game rather than developing this multiplayer game and kind of it feels tacked on to people. Now I haven't played it myself, but that's kind of the general consensus from the. Community. A Resident Evil game has. Uh, underbaked and disappointing <laughs> online features. What a surprise. I really... I, so, I've been thinking about getting Resident Evil 2 Remake, and I, I, there's no reason I haven't other than just time. Like, I haven't wanted to pick it up because I don't have the time to play it, so I'm just waiting for it to get cheaper, basically. Sure. Um, hey, you can borrow mine. But the Resident Evil games, I think this just lends to their... They've historically had very good remakes. Like, the... The remake of the first game on GameCube is so good. I don't know if you guys, either of you guys have played it, but it's really fantastic. I just bought it on Steam for $2.50. <laughs> to- totally worth the play. It's, it's as Nick was saying, it, it does what a remake should, where it makes you feel like you're playing what you remember about the first game. And so mm. it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the hardest thing for me with Resident Evil is because I don't like scary games getting into the mindset of like okay i gotta you know the action will carry me through and so i think going forward i'm really interested to see what the series does um if they're going to maintain that first person perspective after the success of seven i think eight is first person right is yes it is is the same character ethan winters from the first one oh okay interesting or from not the first Uh, one the seventh one you know (laughs) the first of this series i knew what you meant (laughs) i said yeah Yeah, uh i knew exactly what you were talking about Um, (laughs) you're picking up what i'm but it'll be interesting i mean they they've shown the willingness to adapt and change and so maybe i just need to give seven a third try i don't know it is entirely possible that it is just going to be too scary for you because the the focus is on i am a chicken on being scary (laughs) do you like to kite enemies no. Do you like to be scared while kiting enemies? No. <laughs> you will not enjoy the gameplay of <laughs> <Yeah>. this game. <laughs> um, I, I'm giving you the boiled down Zach review. Here's something that I suggest you do, though, which is play the DLC. The, um, uh, oh gosh, of course I forget what the, the name is, but it's like the missing chapters Honk? or the, the missing tapes or something. Um, because the, the DLC is really interesting and really unique. Um there's uh there's one bit of dlc that's basically a little escape room scenario um there's one dlc that is blackjack but it's a really interesting twisted version of blackjack um oh weird that's like russian roulette blackjack uh it's really cool uh there's a lot of really cool little stuff in the dlc for seven that i definitely recommend and might be a little more palatable because it's shorter um and not necessarily as scary. I'll have to take a look at the, into that. 
that was a that was a fun question, Joel. Um, it was uh, quite the brain tickler. Um, trying to think of what <laughs> uh, a game like uh, we went. I went through so many different series. I kept thinking about. Uh, I I do have to give a shout out to Halo though as uh, something that kind of lost me at uh, at Halo Four. It uh, when the the developers changed something about it, sort of sort of lost me. ODST is still my favorite, um, uh, but I I was never a huge fan of uh, of Halo to begin with because of the reasons that I had talked about earlier of it just not feeling super satisfying. I like it intellectually and I like the puzzle, like the combat puzzle aspect of it. And I think the level design is amazing, but um, something about uh, the way the guns feel and how bullet spongy the enemies are always felt unsatisfying to me. Well, I think that's a good wrap up. Yeah. Yeah, that hot take. Uh, we will go. Yeah. No, no. Um, uh, I don't think that any. Uh, do you guys have any differing opinions on the beer from the beginning? I'm uh, finishing up my third Ooh. one right now, and As am I, I feel fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is so tasty. Thank you, Nick, for uh, bringing this into my world. This might be a new summer. Yeah, I like this a lot. I'm finishing up my second, which is new for me as well. Uh, this is the uh, I was going to say the most tipsy I've felt since the Russian stout, but that was like two episodes ago. <laughs> um, uh, We're all stuck in the past. We're in a two week cycle. We're returning. Yeah, on. exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, this this is great. I really enjoy this. Um, as I said at the start, I've never tried this before. And so this is news to me. Uh, and as Garrett said, this is probably going to be a new favorite. I, I can see myself picking this up again. Just it's super easy drinking, tastes delicious. Um, I I'm also about to finish my third can, uh, which I have not done since we did the Firestone Walker, which was just super easy, yeah, easy to drink, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. um, drinkable was perhaps its most defining quality. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was an exact quote. <laughs> yeah. So no, this is a great choice, Nick. I, I really. I would highly recommend if anyone is looking for something that's just got a, a nice citrusy orange flavor, super easy to drink. Uh, this is a great flavor text. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <This is> a <laughs> uh, great can text. Yes. I, this, is, this is a good. Pick. I feel like I've seen Elysian beers in more places than a lot of the other more local stuff. Like we've featured a lot of Bellingham beers and those may be harder to find outside of Washington, but. I uh, I get the impression that it will be not as difficult to find Elysian beers, especially Space Dust, their IPA. That's kind of their signature. But hopefully you can find this mm. wherever you are out there listening. I'm pretty sure it's distributed by Anheuser-Busch. Oh, there you go. Okay. Right, is it, right. Is it, it is. Um, I remember there being big news yeah. when they bought Elysian, mm-hmm. and there were worries that Elysian was going to just be folded into uh, other anheuser-busch properties and not uh allowed their own autonomy and those rumors or those uh, fears have uh to my knowledge at least been shown to be untrue well you heard it here first guys they still make great yes (laughs) uh well with that um thank you nick for picking the 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 very delicious beer and uh you can find us uh, at Cohops Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch occasionally. Um, what about you guys? Where can we find you guys? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at nprinzing and on Instagram at nicholas.prinzing. And I'm on uh, Twitter at Zach has no pants. And I'm on Twitter and uh, reactivated my Instagram account, uh, both at gmink16. So 
Very nice. Well, thanks. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Have a great night. Bye.